Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10 season show. Today, we're talking about season seven, episode 17, Face Off. Mary, what happened this week? David goes with Donna to extend her restraining order against Garrett Slan, but since there's no evidence Garrett is behind all of the creepy things that have been happening to Donna lately, the judge denies the request. So, because he's allowed to now, Garrett decides to just go corner Donna in a classroom to try to talk to her. Donna is understandably frightened and will not listen to what he has to say. David threatens and tries to intimidate Slan, who continues to creepily show up with cryptic warnings until the judge decides to grant Donna her restraining order after all. But it doesn't matter because Garrett is moving away, so he can't come near her anyway. He says something ominous about Donna's problems only just beginning, and then someone leaves another creepy message on Donna's voicemail, and it's someone in a CUTV t-shirt. So, this story, to me, is a hot mess. Like, it, it appears to me that the writers decided to give Donna a stalker, then remembered that she was stalked before and was like, okay, well, let's like throw a red herring in here and be like, maybe it's that guy again. And then just like threw up on a page and gave it to them for words. Like it makes no sense to me. I also don't think they knew what to do with Slan. Like they make him ominous, then they make him try to warn her Mm -hmm. then they make him creepy then they make him aggressive and then they make him done with it all like it's like they're trying to show that he's remorseful but also still creepy and that's just his nature but also aggressive yeah yeah and like why on earth would he have reason to because he does two things and this whole episode and this whole storyline that's, like, trying to look out for Donna. Like, he's trying to convince David that he's just trying to give her a message. Like, hey, somebody else is following you, not me. But yet, I'm still following you. Exactly. Like, they wanted... I couldn't tell if they were trying in some way to redeem him or just confuse us. Which, if, if they're trying to confuse us, it worked. Yes. Because, like... We open on Donna, like, she can't sleep. She's staying up all night basically just, like, checking windows and locks. Like, it's honestly perfect the amount of stress that she feels with everything and that, like, Kelly comes out in the middle of the night and it's just, like, everything is locked. It was locked last time you checked. It's still locked now. But it is interesting to me that Kelly reminds her that, like, they have a restraining order against him. But it's not like he's actually worried about his consequences because he's done the actions he's done before. So I don't know why they keep trying to make her feel better about that. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I can think of is that they're trying to remind her that, like, even if he doesn't care about his consequences, it's still technically the law that he cannot break this. So he'll be put back in jail regardless and still not able to get to Donna. And I think that's all well and good. But I think, like I've said before... I can be given all the statistics about 
planes crashing and that it's actually safer to be on a plane than a car. But when I'm on the plane, I still have anxiety. So, you know, I think they're trying to beat a dead horse here at this point, just with how many episodes we've had this consistently and not for a bad reason, just it's just what they're doing to remind us that nobody can tell Donna anything until she sees physical proof or until she fully sees the picture. Like she is having all of these like moments of uncertainty and moments of fear and moments of anxiety and nothing's going to alleviate that until she sees the actual person go behind bars. It's very Mm. reminiscent of shows where they have somebody attack them or, you know, somebody commits a crime against somebody and the person goes to see them physically in jail for them to like stop having nightmares or things like that. Like, so I think that's almost what Donna's going to have to do, which is why the whole court apparently like, it's not really court, but they're at the courthouse. That's why that scene is so important because she's physically in the same room with him. And at first gets the restraining order denied. Yeah. I also thought that was wild. Like, I don't know if this is a TV thing or a real thing, but to put them in such a small room together where he's like two seats away from her and he tried to rape her. Like they are yeah. very clear in reminding us what he did. Like, the idea that you would put all of them in a room together and not just like, we're going to have y'all stay separate and I'm just going to talk to the lawyers and have them come back to you. Mm -hmm. I can't tell if that's a TV thing or a real thing, but I really hope it's a TV thing. I would imagine it would be, right? I mean, I think like you said, the point about like like the judge telling the lawyers then to tell the plaintiff and defendant, whatever. (laughs) Like, but in TV world, that's too much back and forth. That's too many things. That's too much blocking. So, yeah. But I think for me, like, that included, as well as the judge being like, we need evidence of another transgression. Your word is only as good, you know, as you say it is. And you just, you know, this is a coincidence. And and the coincidence is enough to put on a permanent restraining order. And I think that's fine. I just... Like, if that's a law, that's a law. I just also think, like, well, how do you have proof if you if somebody is disguising their voice on a phone call to you? How do you mm-hmm. have proof when you literally saw the person in your vicinity and have no other means of, like, proving it wasn't him? You know, like, for me, it's more like it's not that she can't prove it's him. She also can't prove it's not him. So I don't I don't know where that lies in, in – the law like I don't know what that proof is supposed to be is she supposed to get raped again like or attempted raped again for it to be a permanent restraining order yeah no that's what kept upsetting me is because I think it's you know as true as it can be of everyone just kept saying like he's not going to want to go to jail again he doesn't want the threat of like violating his restraining order and then the judge saying like if I see any evidence that you're harassing her I'll throw the book at you it's like okay so he has to do it again to her and mm-hmm. she has to go through that. And, like, it's complicated. Yeah. Right? right? But we're seeing this from Donna's side. And, therefore, I'm like, no, that's not how this should work. Like, she should feel protected. And it's also clearly not going to affect him since he says pretty immediately that he's moving away. hmm Also, yeah. when they're in the judges' chambers and they go to leave, like – Oh, I hate, like I felt my skin crawl when she has to walk in front of him 
and then like David, you know, leans down and whispers to him, whatever. But then he turns his head and smiles at her and then turns back looking so remorseful and like a, you know, child that's been yelled at. Ugh. That's the thing. They didn't know what to do with him. They didn't know whether to continue to make him the same person that he was when he assaulted Donna or if they wanted to make him remorseful or if they wanted to make him this sort of just ominous figure. They just didn't know what to do. And that's fine. Like, not every storyline can pan out. But it just, this episode did not, this storyline is just not doing it for me in the way that I think they originally intended and it's kind of just falling apart. Yeah, because, like, you know, they leave that. They've had this one moment where, you know, he's been putting on this show to the judge, to the uh, lawyers that he's remorseful. He's clearly not with her. You know, presumably he was the guy at CU watching her, what, one or two episodes ago. Mm-hmm. And then back at CU, Donna says she's dropped out of doing the weather because she doesn't want to be, like, visible on TV you know, David is walking her to and from classes because she doesn't want to be alone and it's not fair to her that she can't be alone. But then as soon as she's alone, he's there and he corners her and he says, I had to get you alone because David can't be around. But we never find out what he wanted to tell her that David couldn't hear. That's the thing. Like, also, could that not have been proof alone? Like, Right? How, like, someone had to have seen him go into that room behind her. hmm And this is where having a cell phone <laughs> makes things so much, I don't want to say easier, just less muddy in how proof is accumulated, right? Yeah. Like, because in 1997, whatever year we're in, you don't have the ability to record a conversation at the push of a button if you get sneak attacked on. Right. But like mm-hmm. today, you would reach your hand in your pocket and try your very, very best to like voice to text somebody or, you know, click the little audio recording or whatever. I mean, not yeah. that you should have that app just ready to go or call somebody. Right. Like you could, quote unquote, butt dial someone and it'd be a recorded conversation. I don't know. I guess my point is like, how is Donna supposed to get proof? I keep like coming back to this. How is Donna supposed to get proof outside of being attacked? And what is the point of him showing up repeatedly? He never says anything, but he Mm. insists that he's not there to harm her. But then he says, don't scream. Yeah. And, like, she goes running out to the condor's nest. She's, like, hyperventilating, screaming. She's, like, brushing up into people. I do kind of love this. She's like, oh, my God, I'm sorry, as she was running past. Like, she's still Donna. Donna. Yeah. (laughs) But, like. Yeah, we never find out what he keeps trying to corner her and tell her. Yeah, we can only assume it's what he eventually tells them at the end of the episode of that, you know, my stuff is is free or whatever and Donna's problems are about to get worse or like whatever. But we can't know because also why does David not need to hear that? Like why? Like I yeah, there's just so much I'm hung up on that I it just doesn't land for me. Um yeah, it just like yeah. It kept giving me vibes that Slan was going to somehow save the day. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why they would do that. And that hasn't been proven yet. Like, yeah, that's that's a total vibe that I'm getting. But, I mean, based on, you know, Ray throwing her down the stairs and then 
you know, suing her boyfriend for assault and then coming back later and being like, David needs help and I'm the only one who sees it. Mm-hmm. Like, Slan, I don't think would get a redemption arc like Ray did because Ray was a main character and like right. Jamie Walters is not Slan. But I don't know what they're doing. I don't get it. And to be fair, I guess, you know, Donna files a complaint. Like, after everything happens in the college, she does file a complaint. And so the mm-hmm. cops do put an unmarked car on Slan's house, which pretty immediately comes into play because that night, David brings Tom, hilarious, because him and Tom have not gotten along up to now. <laughs> yeah, suddenly after last episode, they're like buddy-buddy now. Yes. But he brings him to Slan's house because he got the address off the restraining order and just, like, goes up to the front door and starts threatening Slan. I don't have a lot of comments on it just because it's, like, typical toxic masculinity boy behavior Mm -hmm. in the 90s to, like, go physically get – or, like, get into a physical altercation to protect your girlfriend, right? But, yeah, I mean – I I love that David brought Tom, number one, either as a witness or as an intimidating figure. Because, like, let's face it, Brandon is not intimidating. (laughs) Steve would have been. But we really haven't seen Steve and David be close for a long time Not in a while. Yeah. And am I forgetting another boy that's on the show right now? Nat? <laughs> and Matt would just want to peach pie him to death, you know? Like anyway, so it was kind of funny that he brought Tom, not only because they live together, but because he's the most intimidating of all of them. Um, but Tom's just like, wait, what? Like he didn't even know why he was riding along with David until they got there. <laughs> yeah. Tom is also a very interesting figure in this episode, but like mm-hmm. he just kind of shows up in this one scene and then never again. Yeah. I do when the cops bust them up and they're like, oh, my God, you had unmarked cars here. And he's like, yeah, because Donna filed a complaint, we were here and now you've ruined that. And also, this is not what you're supposed to be doing. What would your girlfriend think? Yeah. I mean, he basically tells David to just let them handle it, which. Yes, David, just do that. Go home. Go be with Donna. Just go go be with. That's all she needs. She doesn't need you to go beat him up. She needs you to be there with her. Yeah. I also wonder, like, what's Donna thinking this whole time when he's supposed to be there? Because Tom says later in another scene that he drove David to the beach apartment mm-hmm. after they got done with the cops because the cop are like, like, they tell David, like, you're not going anywhere. So he has to stay right. and deal with the cops. So, like, this whole time Donna's just been alone. And like you said, there's no cell phones. He can't just call her and be like, hey, I can't come see you because the cops stopped me from trying to punch Slane in the face. And like if he calls like if we were to go back in Garrett's house and use his phone to call Donna, like I know caller ID wasn't a thing back then, but like if it was a new thing in 1997, she would have been like, what is this number? It's it's probably someone calling me again. I thought these calls stopped. Could you imagine if she picks up the phone and David's like, I'm at Slan's house. She'd be like, who's dead? Right? Like, what? She would not be happy. Just none of that was appropriate. Do we actually see, like, her response to this whole thing? I don't think, I don't think we so. really do. 
No, because the next thing we see, well, the next thing we see doesn't have David in it at all. It's that evening when the power goes out at the beach apartment and Donna goes full on like Jamie Lee Curtis and Halloween. Like grabs a flashlight and the biggest knife she can find. Runs to Kelly's room, pulls her out of bed with knife in the other hand. I was like, are you holding both of the knife and flashlight in one hand while you grab Kelly, sleepy Kelly, out of her bed? The answer is yes. (laughs) And not only, okay, this is the thing I had another problem with in this episode. Not only do they run outside instead of locking doors and all that stuff. Random busybody Mr. Burnett just walks right around the corner, scares them, and says the electricity's on the fritz. Sir, you're creepy. What time of night is it that he's just already outside their apartment when the lights go out? Fully dressed for work. I called him sweater vest landlord (laughs) because I didn't look that closely at him. But I swear, like, the only reason is, like, if he's already got someone coming out to fix it. But, like, it's been seconds is my yeah. only thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I could have heated up my Thanksgiving leftovers in, like, the time it took for Mr. Burnett to just pop out. I don't even think so. I think you would have, like, pressed the button on the microwave and he'd already be up there. And, again, middle of the night. Like, Kelly's asleep and he's just going to, what, go knock on their back door on the second floor and just be like, hey, just want to let you know. I have an electrician coming. They're really trying to just pull out all of the horror movie type stuff to just Mm -hmm. confirm over and over and reaffirm over and over that Donna should be scared. Yeah. Well, I feel like this is the first time I will say that Kelly realizes the gravity of how scared Donna is because – Landlord says that and then just turns and walks away. Like, (laughs) electrician's coming by. Just like a casual 2 a.m. It's so weird. But then the lights come back on and Kelly looks down and sees that Donna's got the knife in her hand. And she's just like, Donna, oh, my God. Mm -hmm. And she says, like, we're going to go in. I will say it drives me nuts. They keep shutting the door and not locking it. I thought the same thing. You're filming. Take a second take. Pretend to lock the door. But she says, like, I'm going to draw you a bath. We're going to get you, like, my perfect fall asleep flannel sheets. And then I'm going to stay with you until you fall asleep. And, like, yeah. finally, Kelly. She's She's been long inching there. But, like, yeah, now it's, like, you really can't be alone. And since David's not here, I will be in the room with you. Mm-hmm. Of course, this pretty immediately backfires because Donna gets the sheets and goes to change her own bed while Kelly runs the bath for her. And somehow in the time the lights were off and they went outside and talked to the landlord, and I guess she also went and got the sheets, somebody has been in their house. I guess they could have been in there before, like depending on when she made her bed. But somebody has been in this house on this day and put a dead mouse in her bed. Yeah, the timing, like, if you were to map out the timing of all this, it makes zero sense. But the point of it is that Donna doesn't think it's anybody except Garrett Slad. So she now has what she thinks is her proof, right? Mm -hmm. Which still, to me, this isn't proof. This is just 
a, ma- a mouse in your bed, like as gross as it is, just a mouse in your bed. And oh, yeah. she panics. Yeah, I wrote down, I was like, burn those sheets and move out of this apartment. Yeah, like, seriously. You guys cannot stay. I don't care what kind of security system you have. You cannot stay here. Yep. But like, it's also just attacking Donna on all sides to say that she has a new stalker and her old stalker is out and stalking her again. He is yeah, he creeping is. up on her. Mm-hmm. Ugh. It just, yeah, it just, the story doesn't know what it is. It's kind of gotten to the point of Winston from New Girl not knowing how far to take a prank, and he's just going too far on all of his pranks. And so now the storyline is just going too far and adding too many layers and too many details when we could have just kept it at, like, no, it's not Garrett's land because he's still in jail, and then keep... Having Donna having a regular stalker who she doesn't know the identity of. Yeah, because we could still have had Donna go to jail and see Garrett there yes. and confirm that he's not doing it, and it would mm-hmm. still have been as grave. And, like, all because of Because the- then that would have made the other people in the group understand the gravity of the situation. Like, because like, they're all like, oh, no, 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 he's in jail. Oh, no, 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 he's in jail. And then it's not until they finally find out, oh, he's getting out, that they take it seriously. So they could have had the same reaction just instead of, it, oh, he's getting out. It's, no, he's in there for another two years. Or, you, you know, whatever happens, like, go physically see him. Yeah, we have physical evidence. He's still in jail. She comes home, thinks she's safe, goes to take the sheets off of her bed, sees a dead mouse, and yep. she's getting the phone calls again. Done. Done. Like, same thing could have happened without throwing all of this stuff at her at five different angles. But for some reason, they felt the need to put in all of these scenes with Slan, like the next one. Like. Oh, my God. Yeah. Sorry. I was scrolling down on <laughs> my notes trying to find the next scene. And yeah. Like. Uh, yeah. 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 Because. So. David has to go do some work at the pee pad and he takes Donna with him because, again, he's not leaving her alone. Right. And he gives us some context of like, oh, we're going to go get out of town for a little while. We're going to take the weekend. I'm going to get you away from all of this. There won't be phone calls. There won't be any rats in your bed. Like, Slan is not going to be there. It's going to be fine. And then while he goes up to the office to do work, the phone rings and Donna being Donna is like, I'll get the phone. You go do that. Then we'll leave. It'll be fine. And while she's on the phone, Slan walks into the pee pad, which tells me he's been following her again to know where she is. Mm-hmm. He knows that David's left the room. And he was just like, oh, you know, it's uh, funny how things work out. And he keeps trying to say that he's trying to make it up to Donna. And I don't get what he's saying. Like, they're being purposefully cryptic. Yeah, like he keeps saying that's and again, it's like why are you giving him this dialogue and why are you making it cryptic? Like because we're not getting an answer. That's what's bothering me. Yeah. Yeah. Like what is the point of him saying he's trying to make it up to her but never almost like finishing the sentence because he has now seen Donna's reaction to him three times. Once in the chamber, the courthouse chambers, another time at the classroom, the empty classroom, and now again at the pee pad. Neither time was he able to say what he wanted to say. 
but all three times he he saw her reaction so if by the third time you still haven't been able to say anything you got to say it fast that better be the first thing you say right like i'm trying to help you because blah 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 blah, blah and like finish yeah that's it and then leave write a letter say it while david's in the room do something that makes any yeah. sort of sense because clearly just your presence alone is enough to trigger Donna, as it should. But so you got, like, if you're trying to do something, do it, my dude. Like, and stop being, if you're not trying to be creepy and you're trying to make it up to her, don't be creepy. Which he then is creepy in this scene. Yeah, because, like, he keeps insisting that she's in danger. He's trying to help her, but he can't say it when David's around. So David shows up and for some unknown reason he says like too bad i didn't finish what i started she would have loved it like puke puke but also why what is i don't the know point? and like there this is just like bland I don't understand psychopaths, but I'm going to write something kind of a thing. Yeah. Like, we don't know what we want him to say, but we need to fill time because there was also a lot of hockey B-roll in this, which we'll get to. <laughs> but like, or not B-roll, just hockey footage that we didn't need to see. But yeah. yeah, it's like they just didn't, they didn't know what to do with him. So they're just like, here, let's make him creepy again and move on. Then, then we can have him punch David so that there's... A reason to get the permanent restraining order, which actually isn't permanent. It's just temporary, but they call it permanent. Yeah. Like, he's just like, oh, you want your restraining order? Punches David. They get the restraining order for three years. And then he's like, joke's on you. I was leaving town anyway. But your problems are just starting. Bye. Yeah. And, okay, Garrett, that is what you were trying to say this whole time? That's still cryptic. Why don't you be upfront with what problems you're talking about? It's still not helpful. Like, no. when he's like, I'm trying to help you by what? Saying you didn't do it? Why would she ever believe you? Yeah. And then you go behaving like that. Like, no. I I don't get it. And then, to you know, I guess drive the point home, the last episode – or the last scene in the episode and in the story – is that Donna's phone at home rings and her stalker, who is wearing a CUTV sweatshirt, is watching her on the weather and is like, I'm so sorry that I haven't called in a while, but I left you a present. Which, like, that side of the stalker story is interesting. The yeah, slant stuff, agreed. we could have cut and I would have missed it. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I think it could have just been resolved more quickly. Um because, like, the little breadcrumbs that we got in the episode outside of the slam stuff was, to your point, interesting. And it did move that storyline along. And there's all this detail around getting, you know, starting the episode with, we're not sure if we're going to get the restraining order to eventually getting, like, the outcome was the same regardless if we had said it in the first five minutes or we waited until the last five minutes. All of that was unnecessary, but the other little breadcrumbs spread throughout to keep pointing us in the direction of who the stalker actually is, was. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's what's so frustrating is that, like, we already, we've known pretty much since the beginning of this storyline who fucking 
is doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the writers are just wasting our time with a bunch of bullshit that isn't relevant at all. Yeah. And I'm just like, are are you really expecting me to follow this thread and think he's guilty because you've already laid the groundwork for who it actually is? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's one of those times where I feel like TV thinks its viewers are too stupid. Yes. Like, it's like I was listening to the New Girl podcast and um, I can't remember any actors' names right now, but the actors who play Cece and Jess were saying that despite the fact that they are, like, completely different in body type, height, skin tone, et cetera, the fact that they both had long brown hair with bangs, production was like, people are going to not be able to tell you apart. Okay. Bangs? Bangs are what's going to confuse me as a viewer? Not one is a model and the other is a school teacher? Like, the way they dress, the way they act, the fact that they are, like, seven shades apart in L'Oreal skin colors? Like, the fact that one speaks in, like, nerdy voices and the other is always with Schmidt? Like, (laughs) (laughs) like... I think you're doing enough to tell them apart. One is the main character in the show. Yeah. Literally, they say in the theme song, who's that girl? It's It's Jess. Jess. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I didn't get it. Can you repeat which one's Jess? Cece's not even in the opening credits. I don't even think she's in the first episode. Like, we have time here. But That's that's so funny. That's the thing. Like, it feels like sometimes someone in charge of TV thinks that the viewers are too stupid. Yeah. And needs to throw in this whole thing that makes no sense. It ends up ruining the storyline. And then I complain about it on a podcast 20 years later. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. We'll just get more hate mail. It's okay. It's okay. I mean, truly, though, if anyone who listens to us watched this show when it came out and were actually, like, thrown by the slant thing, please let me know because, you know, maybe streaming and the way that we talk about it and the way that I know how TV works because I listen to 75 podcasts a week has changed things. But I feel pretty confident that very few people were fooled by this. Yeah, and I don't know if it's, like, the times i'm gonna be that person for a second (laughs) where you know we're kind of outside of network television we're kind of out of the cycle of 22 to 25 episode seasons and so we're getting more succinct storytelling Mm -hmm. um to the point where it might wrap up in eight or it might wrap up in 13 or something like that and in this it's 32 30 on average Clearly, they're having to fill episodes with content to make it to 32. My question is, why agree to that? I mean, money, I know. But, yeah, maybe it's that, too, is that we're, you know, the three of us, we're so used to this more succinct storytelling and more quick resolution, whereas this is just not doable then. Mm -hmm. But my argument to that would just be, well, then just give Donna another storyline in three episodes. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. I I can't believe I'm suggesting this, but maybe give us more hockey? Oh, my God. Like, but you get what I'm saying? Like, have the beginning where Slan, like, 
they have the restraining order denied if we're going to really go with the slam thing. But then he says, like, I'm leaving town anyway, so, you know, whatever. Or do it the way we talked about it where Slan stays in jail. And then at the end, she still gets the call. But in the middle, like, all the friend group believes her and is just trying to distract her and, like, make her feel safe again. Yeah. That would be so much better. I, Yeah, I don't know. It just – it's falling a little – the whole thing, like we said earlier, it's falling flat because they – like you said, they just don't think that we're – they think we're catching on to what they're trying to give us and not giving us enough credit for understanding that – who the actual stalker is and that we don't need all of this other stuff. Um. I think the only other thing that we didn't totally mention in this storyline that I want to get before we move on is the whole, like, the very first scene in the episode was at the end of a night at the pee pad, and David's trying to leave, and this woman named Chloe Davis walks up to him, and she's like, oh, hey, I was the backup singer for the act that y'all just had. I really wanted to give you my demo tape and see what you thought of it. Which... Because this episode is the way that it is, I'm like, dear God, please don't make her the stalker. Or, like, please don't make David have a stalker. Oh, my God. I didn't even think about that. And now I think you broke my brain. Because, <laughs> like, I just completely lost it in a whole separate way where I wrote in my notes, I need to accept the pee pad as a legitimate business and that people would care about David's opinions because – I'm sitting here being like, these are still children. Who does he know in the music business that he can do anything with your demo tape? But I know that's not the point and that's not what I'm supposed to be seeing. It's right, just I've yeah. seen him. I've seen him since he was a child and filming <laughs> slumber parties from outside the Walsh house. Like, No, totally fair. Totally fair. When you've watched as much 90210 as we have over the last three years and not in its traditional 10-year run, you start to – think that they're still 16 when they're actually like 22 at this point but also with all of the Riverdale we watched we're like how can they have come of age they haven't even solved a murder (laughs) (laughs) maybe that's the problem David has not solved a murder yet all he's done is gotten punched in the face hey he could do it with this Donna storyline if he figures it out before anybody else kudos to i mean well actually okay let's take it back he did figure out that donna was in trouble with garrett slam the first time when she called him dave okay okay so he didn't solve a murder but he helped prevent a rape okay i'll give it to david yeah i mean he's no jughead but who is who could be (laughs) Oh my god, we need to move on or this is going to become a Riverdale podcast real fast. Yeah, no kidding. Okay. Mary, Mary, what else happened this week? Steve and Claire romantically house sit for Chancellor Arnold's professor friend who's off in Prague doing professory things. Claire mentions they could do this together for up to a few months if Steve wants. They seem excited by the idea of living together until the next day when they're not excited about living together. Claire wonders what's the point of them being together if they can't see themselves living together. 
Steve says, just because they can't imagine it now doesn't mean they won't later. And they love each other. And what they're doing now with their separate spaces and meeting up to bang is working. So why change it? Yep. That's, yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, I, I think I said it before we started recording, and I can't think of a better way to say it, of, should we move in together? Okay. Actually, I'm not ready. Okay. Should we break up? No. Okay. Want to bang? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, my only comment on this storyline was um, Claire's cute little, like, excitement over vegetables. Steve hated Look, them so much. I picked turnips. <laughs> also, okay, it was not clear at that point in the story that this man was going to be gone for six months. And I was like, Claire, you cannot just walk into somebody else's garden and take their beets. And take their turnips. Unless there is a, a good price on those turnips. And then turn <laughs> a profit. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Have you checked the stock market this week? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I do agree with the sentiment though of like Claire being like well if we don't see each other in the future like what's the point of dating because she clearly has moved into that frame of mind and when you get in a long-term relationship where it's like I mean it's really fun hanging out and like dating and, and all that kind of stuff but we probably should be thinking about this and if we're not really thinking about this should we really be together or should we, we goodness should we be finding the person we do want to think about this with mm-hmm and I do appreciate Steve being like, look, I love you and you love me. And just because we're not ready to live together does not mean that we won't be in the future. I actually think that Steve has grown a little bit, a little bit, because this is like episode three in a row of Steve getting back together with Claire for real this time and actually like kind of being whipped by her. I don't know if you've noticed, but... Even in the peach, peach Pit scene, when she first tells him about the house that opportunity, he's like, what you got for me? Who cares? Doesn't matter. I'm already in. Like, he's very much like, not, I don't mean it in a derogatory term of being whipped. I just mean like he's very clearly invested in yes. this relationship and is like, who cares? I trust you. I love you. I want to be with you. So whatever you want to do, I'm in. And I like that. He's so smitten and it's kind of cute. Yeah. And not smitten in a sex way. Smitten no. in a like genuine interest in this person kind yeah. of way. Like their hearts are like yeah, tied together Loving. or whatever. It's adorable. And this Steve I like. Yeah. It's it's literally like anything shy of marriage, he's into. Mm -hmm. The marriage still freaks him out, but they're like 22, so that's fine. Yep. No, this is cute. I just love when he's like, do you know what my first thought was? I love you. And she was yeah. like, okay, fine. What's your first thought? And he's like, no, that was it. And that's a good thing that that was his first thought, not, oh, my God, she's trying to trap me. Or, oh, my God, what about all the other women I could be with? Or, mm -hmm. you know, stuff that Steve used to do. Yeah. So, yeah. But that's it for Steve and Claire. Like, they just do that weekend alone and – there's other stuff that happened this week. Like how Tom and Brandon are playing a hockey game for charity and trying to be friends per Val's request. But that gets to be a little complicated because while Val wants Tom to be her boy toy, he wants to watch matinees with Kelly and get good luck playing hockey kisses. 
which make Brandon play dirty and make Val and Kelly fight. And both of those things make Tracy feel awkward, especially since she said a casual I love you to Brandon and he didn't say it back. This storyline, first of all, okay. I love that this is basically the Jason Priestley gets to do whatever he wants show at this point. (laughs) Because like the amount of times that we've mentioned that other people have interests outside of like whatever they do, Jason gets the most. Like Jason loves hockey, Brandon loves hockey, and they do the hockey. Like that is what happens. And you also get to hire former famous NHL players. Yeah. So when the famous NHL players showed up and they're just like, Val is just throwing out hockey stats because she's from Buffalo. Hockey's what we do, whatever. But I Googled just literally Jason Priestley hockey. Jason Priestley just signed on to do a hockey show. Oh, my God. I Good couldn't, for him. Right? I couldn't tell if it was going to play in the U.S. It was like owned by Warner Brothers, but it was like really owned by like Via Play or something. So I don't know if it'll ever make it to us, but it's some sort of like bio series kind of a thing. I don't know if it's a mini series or a full show, but Jason Priestley is still doing hockey. And I was like, you do hockey. Good for him. Good for him. I do. Okay. So the story opens with Tom trying to leave the pee pad at whatever time of night because he has hockey practice in five hours. I guess presumably it's midnight and Val not stopping him. And I do really love that he's just like, I have hockey practice in the morning. You can't just tell me to be here for you because that's what you want. And she's like, but I think I can. (laughs) She's very much like, no, you do what I say. And that's just how this goes. And how could she be told otherwise? Because he gives in to her every single time. So. That was the thing. It's not like he's really trying to say no to her. And God, if they weren't already Eskimo sisters before, they sure are now. <laughs> I just, you know what? I love a good Kelly Val story. So, like, I don't know. The hockey didn't really get me just because I don't know hockey. I literally have in my notes at some point, hockey happens. Mm -hmm. Hockey happens again. But they get me when Kelly has just decided she likes Tom and Val's like, but I like Tom now. And yeah, this happened with Colin. Literally, Kelly was with Colin and Val's like, but I like Colin. Who's Colin? I like him. God. And yeah, so then we get like a little changeover to see Brandon waking up for hockey practice, but he's with Tracy. And this is the first time that she's slept over. And this is like the classic like perception thing where you guys haven't really told anybody about your relationship or at least where you stand. And so now the other roommates are going to see you do your little walk of shame, but it's not a walk of shame because you're not ashamed, but it's you're still there and he's not. So what are they going to say? And Brandon's just like, oh, no, Steve's who you need if you want an omelet. Val gives you the coffee. It'll be fine. Literally, nothing would have made me happier. Cut the Donna Sland stuff. Give me a scene where Tracy, like, hides in the bedroom until, like, 9 a.m. And then it's just like, 
I just have to go downstairs. I have to leave this house. He's not back yet. And she goes down and Steve is literally making her the perfect French omelet while Val is working the cappuccino machine. And it's just like, here you go. Here you go. How are you today? I would have loved it if Steve was like, order up. And (laughs) And there's just like a bowl of chopped fruit, like melon. Mm -hmm. Nothing would have made me happier. I did uh I did love that so we don't see Steve with her, but we do see Val with her. Yep. And Val's got a Val. Always. First thing she says is she's like, Oh, you were up early today. Yeah, I can hear a lot from Brandon's room. She's like, Oh god, you don't hear anything else, do you? And she's like, No. Never. I no. Hear what? Right. <laughs> nothing happened <laughs> which gross if so oh so gross but it but tracy is just adorable like she is so clearly smitten i mean she literally loves him like they acknowledge yeah. that in this scene that she loves him and i love val being like never say it first which such a vow thing to say and so like all right that tells me all i need to know about how you are in relationships like you constantly need the control and the power and you think that telling someone that you love them means you ha- no longer have power which to be fair at the ages of 16 to 22ish fair mhm that's how we all thought yeah and i mean like Yeah, if you came into this episode knowing nothing about Val and you saw that, you'd have complete context for every single relationship we've seen. When she shows up with Dylan while he's at his lowest, being like, all casual, whatever, I don't care that you have problems. Mm -hmm. When she takes over with Colin, when she, you know, gets in with Kenny, like, this is Val. We've seen all this evidence. And then in like five seconds, she's like, never say I love you first if you have the misfortune of feeling it at all. Yeah. And then on the other side of the Val and Kelly dichotomy, we go to the beach pit where Kelly and Claire are already there. Steve meets them there. And then they start talking about Tom because Steve just saw Tom at the ice skating place with Brandon. (laughs) And Kelly's like, I think the the word you're looking for is the rink. (laughs) I got in a moment where, like, I said ice skating and then, like, figure skating popped in my head. And I was like, (laughs) do you call it the same thing when it's figure skating and ice hockey? And I just moved on. (laughs) It's it's one of many sports I don't know, and therefore I refuse to talk about it. But, you know – Steve mentions Tom, and Kelly's like, oh, Tom? And they're like, Val's Tom. They're close. They're, like, real close, Kelly. She's like, that was high school. People make mistakes. He just made his before. Which, again, is such a Kelly-Val dynamic thing. Because if it was Claire's, if it was, and as I say it, I mean, if Tom was Claire's, if Tom was Donna's, if Tom was the stranger's, she would be like, oh, my bad. But But no. Because it's Valerie Malone. She's like, 
yeah, that can't possibly be true. Even if it is, I don't care. <laughs> and like literally Val has gone for two guys that Kelly's been with before. She went for Colin while he was with Kelly, even though like he was Val's Colin before, but but not really. They just sat outside and looked, looked at, at stars them. once. Yeah, one time. But yeah, it's like Kelly's just like, hmm, okay. And I guess to be fair, I think like right before this was when – no, it's right after this. So right after this, Kelly gets a demo tape from Nat to take to David. It's – what's her face? It's Chloe's uh, demo tape. She's like, oh, I needed to go get stuff from the house anyway, pretty much knowing Tom is going to be there. Mm-hmm. And while she leaves, she runs into Val, who has parked like an asshole. Dude, top tier scene of the show. <laughs> Like, the fact that she parked as close as physically possible to the driver's side means that Kelly would either have to, like, manually open her convertible and hop in that way or slide through the passenger door top tier. And she's just like, oh, yeah, I've had a rough day, but, you know, mine's gotten a lot better. Like, just for the simple fact that she happened to run into Kelly in yeah. order to, to for her to see it. Like, if... It would have been nice to just do it anyway, but the fact that she got to see her and see her reaction, yeah, that's enough to make any kind of ailment go away for Val. Oh, it was amazing when Kelly's like, why do you do this? And she just (laughs) goes, for fun. (laughs) Like, inject it into my veins. Just give Mm -hmm. me Kelly and Val forever. Forever and ever. And, I mean, like, Kelly gets her back, but... Kelly gets her back when Val's not there because you see her show up while Tom is like about to get in the pool and he pretty immediately is just like, oh, you want to go for a swim? I know your bathing suit's here. Yeah, like Tom's a fuck boy, but he knows it. Like, yeah, he's not trying to like mess around. He's not playing games. He's just doing, I mean, like, let's be real. He and Val, like Val has been very, very clear that she does not want a relationship and she certainly does not want a relationship with him. She just wants to bang and for him to be at her beck and call. Mm -hmm. Tom doesn't love it, but he accepts it. So what's good for her is also good for him. So then when Kelly comes along and he's clearly attracted to her, he wants to continue and, and kind of flirt with her. And they are actually pretty cute flirting. I have thought Tom's a wet blanket. He's not a wet blanket with Kelly. I think he just needed to, like, stop being that weird cryptic Tom of, like, it's going to work out. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Right. Like, But he starts genuinely, like, flirting with Kelly. Yeah. And she invites him to a movie and he goes to change and you see that little look on her face of just, like, she's attracted to him, but she's attracted to him because he's Val's. Yes. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It does seem like they had a good movie date though because Mm -hmm. they go to the peach pit afterwards and are like pretty immediately making plans for a second date and then Val comes in she needs that speaker fixed right now right now right now I love that she's not fooling anybody no of course not like the second he gets up he's like okay are you just gonna tell me what's up or do you like really want to pretend that a speaker's not working And then I love the honesty where she's just straight up like, 
How could you go out with Kelly? You know I hate her. <laughs> Just, like, no messing around here. You know that she is my mortal enemy. <laughs> and, like, I feel like she even says, she's like, she wants to go out with you to get back at me. And Tom's just like, oh, so not only am I not good enough for you to date, I'm also not good enough for your mortal enemy to date. Mm-hmm. Just like, wow, okay. Perspective. I see it. Well, and that's why, like, Val's always all about control, right? She doesn't mm-hmm. really actually care that Tom is dating Kelly or rather – dating someone else or seeing someone else she just cares that it's kelly which means she doesn't a care about tom and b just wants it like everything kind of revolves around kelly for her just as it does kelly for val like i mean it's the same way here we know these two would much rather mess with each other than be good to someone else yeah just the messiest bitches (laughs) because like I got to say, we'll get there later, but Tom is perfect for this group. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have no proof whether or not he stays forever, but if we just slotted him in as like a mid-season addition, I would be for it. You guys won't get the reference until you watch the show, but he is very Chris Keller in One Tree Hill, and you'll understand if you ever watch the show, like top tier. I look forward to understanding that reference one day. <laughs> Feels very like Captain America when he's writing notes of things he needs to catch up on for the last like hundred years that he's oh been my asleep. God. Yes. We get a brief side moment where they've just finished recording, taping, practicing, whatever at CU TV. And You know, Evan comes over to talk to Tracy and then Rusty comes over to talk to Tracy and they're really grossly asking about Donna. And she basically just says, like, Donna may not ever come back, but it's it's the breadcrumbs we actually need in that Mm storyline. But Tracy goes over to see Brandon before she leaves and like kiss him goodbye, get the pages that she needs, gets his feedback from the segment they just did. And accidentally, as she's walking away, goes, I love you. Oh, no. It's like when somebody says a swear word on national, like, live TV. Immediately realizes, like, oh. And then doesn't know what to say. And Brandon literally says, I don't know what to say. Because Mm -hmm. Tracy, like, she says it. She walks away. She stops. She turns around. And she's just like, I didn't mean to say that. I mean, I feel it, but, like, I didn't mean to say it. And, like, could you just say something back because I'm losing it? Yeah. Like, clearly she just, like, took out her heart and is showing it to Brandon and is just, like, can you just make sure this still beats? And he's just, like, ah, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And then it just ends. That scene just ends. Like, this neurotic little Tracy having this moment after she's done this thing she didn't mean to do and like not being able to be like I didn't mean to say that that way like I love you like I love popcorn Mm -hmm. like she couldn't do it she had to be like it came out I feel it now you know 
please say something back so I don't feel like I'm going to just melt into a puddle and evaporate. I do love that she was straight up honest about it. You know, mm-hmm. like she was just like, ah, crap. Didn't mean to say it, but I do mean it. So I'm not trying to like lie or say something that's not true. I just didn't mean to say it. And I feel like the way Brandon said, I don't know what to say. And the fact that he said, I don't know what to say is like, it hurt me a little bit. I was like, I don't know if maybe you should have, like, maybe you should have been like, let's go talk in a different room so people don't accidentally overhear this weird thing that just happened. Mm-hmm. But I do appreciate that he didn't just say it back for the sake of saying it back. Oh, and, like, totally. Alleviating the situation. Very true. Because that's a also a classic TV show thing to do is to have the other person say it when they don't actually mean it and then it causes conflict later on exactly but it's just yeah the scene just kind of dies because tracy wants something and brandon's like i can't i don't know and just dies but it's okay because we have messy bitches in the kitchen pouring ice cream out like I just, I love that, you know, Val and Brandon just like run into each other in the kitchen and he's like, oh, by the way, me and Tom are against each other on the hockey game tomorrow, not on the same team. And Val just has to be like, well, I'll be rooting for you, but I don't know if Kelly will be. Yeah. She just has to throw that in just for good measure to get it into Brandon's head because she, if she's unhappy, so is everybody else, you know, like, and Brandon does try to be like a peacekeeper here and defends both Kelly and Tom saying that, you know, that's their business. Why, you know, that's okay. They can just date each other if they want to. That's fine. But then Val tries to say like, first of all, why are you defending Kelly? But then also Tom can't just be friends with another person or another woman. So this is definitely something more. And you know that I'm with him. So... Yeah. I d- so I think it's interesting because it sounds at first like she's trying to throw Kelly under the bus, which Brandon has told her before, like, stop doing that. I'm not interested. But then she turns it to Tom and it's like, Tom can't be friends with any woman. Mm-hmm. Like, that's actually what you need to be worried about. Like, okay, I started with a jab for Kelly, but like, this is not just a Kelly. This is Kelly and Tom. Like, let's just get that little nugget in your head. Well, yeah, and this is like Valerie pivoting in only a way that Valerie can while still be tr- being true to herself, right? She's pivoting mm-hmm. away from talking negatively about Kelly to talking negatively about Tom to accomplish the same thing that, as if she were talking negatively about Kelly. She yep. wants to poke Brandon in his Kelly button until he freaks out, right? Because that's what ends up culminating in the rest of this episode. I like saying it's a Kelly button. I feel like that applies to so many characters on this show. Like It's like a Val belly ha- button, but a Kelly button. Val has a Kelly button. Brandon has a Kelly button. And now I'm literally picturing Val walking over to Brandon and booping him in his belly button. <laughs> I mean, if she did it while she walked out, that would have been hilarious. Oh, my God. If she was just like, Tom can't be friends with any woman. Beep. Boop. <laughs> that would be so cute. Clearly, this sets in, like, Brandon's head, though, and which was the point, right? Yeah. Like, clearly, it sets in his head, makes him think, because then, like, he, like, calls to call – goodness gracious. 
Clearly, it sets in his head because he goes to call Tracy just to say goodnight, which, A, is a good thing and is mm-hmm. cute. Um, this is where Tracy can kind of get reconciliation on the previous encounter and ask if they're okay. And he's honest with her and just says, I just need some time, which clearly tells Tracy two things. One, he's not ready to say those words back. And two, he doesn't want things to end. Mm-hmm. So I think that gives her not what she needs, but at least... Or, sorry, it doesn't give her what she wants, but maybe gives her a little bit of what she needs in order to understand that, like, they're okay, but clearly things have changed. Yeah. I love that she thanks him for calling. She's like, I'm glad you called. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, like, this whole thing where they're struggling to say I love you to each other just made me realize, like, how weird that feels and how, like – long ago that was for me do you think about that like when they hang up the phone and don't say I love you it was like that was weird it's like wait no it's not it's weird that I think it's weird I even think about sometimes because like when Nate and I were first dating we said we said I love you very early and we were 21 it makes sense like you just say it early but I do recall there being this kind of like growing pain situation of where how often do you say it? Do you say it at any time you think it? Or do you hold back sometimes? Like all this thought around when, how, why, you know, for how long, whatever, you say those words. And now it's like, I could probably say it 500 times a day and it wouldn't be an issue whatsoever. I never even think about it. I just say it when I want to and so does he. Yeah. I could, I could lean out the store right now and he'd say it back if he was listening. He might be on his laptop. <laughs> right, right. Like, but I'm starting to get – the only time I think about it now is like, I'm like, am I telling Noodle I love her too much? <laughs> <laughs> she never says it back. <laughs> like, this got me. Like, this moment, I was like, man, it is weird when you're like in that 21, 22, 23 range – And saying it for the first time and, like, trying to figure out, like, how do I say goodnight on the phone? How do we, like, handle our first sleepovers? How do I say it when I'm leaving, quote, unquote, work where we happen to work in the same place and he's technically my boss? Mm -hmm. Like, they're having to navigate some weird waters and, like, just that little, like, he calls to say goodnight because he knows that's what he wants to do, what she wants from him. But then it, like, gets to that awkward moment at the end. It's like, ooh, it's bringing up memories. Yep. But then it's time for hockey. Hockey time. And I do kind of love this little Tracy-Val friendship for no other reason other than it just gives you somebody who, A, doesn't know all the history Mm -hmm. of, you know, everybody in Val. But it also gives you someone to who genuinely likes Val and is not a convenient, you know, kind of situation. Like, yeah, it's convenient that she's dating Brandon and Brandon lives with Valerie. But Tracy kind of sought her out, which tells me that Tracy doesn't have many female friends on her own, which, you know, how would we ever know that? Because we're in this very tiny bubble of this television show and this group. But I just like this friendship. I love this friendship. Like, Because Val is still Val and Tracy is just, like, her friend. Like, there's Mm -hmm. no ulterior motives like Ginger or, like, low-key hatred 
from anybody else or like someone being like, oh, well, she hates Kelly. Therefore, like, I can't like her. Like, right. Because she ends up telling Val, she's like, I accidentally said it. I said it first. And Val goes Val and is like, take it back. Say you want to see other people. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, go the opposite direction. Just break up with him. (laughs) Blow up the relationship. You screwed up. Move on. God. So Val. I do love Tracy's like, I don't want to. I love him. And Val's just like, I'm so sorry for you. Yeah. I'm sorry. This sucks. I don't have any more advice. (laughs) Then Evan shows up, casually asks about Donna. Yeah. I'm glad you guys you guys clocked that because he literally is just like, Hey, how's it going? Uh is anybody else from the station here? You know, Donna, other name person, other name person, but specifically Donna. Yeah. He sandwiches it. He asks Rusty, Donna, Allen. And they're like, no, I don't know. And like they're not coming. And then he's like, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to go sit over there with my friends. Bye. Which so like, he's probably leaving to go put a rat in Donna's bed. Yeah. He immediately left because she wasn't there and he probably got like psychopath mad in his head. Like how dare she not be here when I came to see her. Mm-hmm. Then there's like famous hockey player stuff. I don't know. The only comment I have about the famous hockey people is, like, one of the dudes, the dude with quote-unquote nice hair, played hockey before they allowed or, like, made helmets mandatory. And even after they said you have to wear a helmet, he doesn't. Like, yeah, I – so you don't wear helmets in soccer, and soccer is a dangerous sport with your head, but this has blades. And sticks. They're wearing pads on every inch of their body. And he's just like, no, I don't want hat hair. (laughs) Yeah, it makes no sense to me. Anyway, Tracy being Tracy is like, hey, Kelly, there's a seat right here. Love it. Val's face. The stankiest face. (laughs) Just the visual of Val, Tracy, Kelly. Like, I died. Yep. Just like she's literally in the middle and just like, I have made this uncomfortable for myself. (laughs) I'm really cold. I'm going to leave. I hate it. I hate it. Why did I do this? This is the second time in as many days that I've made a dumb decision. (laughs) I just love She literally says like, it's getting too cold in here for my taste. Right? She's like, I'm cold. Bye. Great. And then on the ice... You've got Brandon being like, hey, Tom, I want to talk to you about Val and Kelly. And he, you know, turns it. He's like, look, Kelly's been through a lot. She's made it out okay. I just want to make sure she stays that way. And love Tom's response of who are you protecting, Valerie or Kelly? Mm -hmm. But Tom, being the perfect insertion into this group, is like, okay, I hear you. You want to protect them both. I'm going to go kiss your ex-girlfriend in front of you and Val. It was incredible. It was like it was like a very Chuck Bass thing to do from Gossip Girl. Like so Chuck Bass. It was so good cuz like he doesn't even kiss her. He goes over to the sideline and asks her to kiss him so they all get the visual of her leaning into him. Yep. And it was a very long kiss. Oh yeah. And <laughs> you see it from like all sides. Everyone's looking. It's it was everything. Brandon sees it. He hates it. Val sees it. She hates it. Tracy sees Brandon see it and hates it too. It's just 
a ripple effect, and this man has learned to cause waves. Yeah. And then they, like, blow the whistle to start the hockey game, and Brandon immediately fouls Tom and gets sent to the penalty box. And the girls are just like, oh, oh Brandon? He never does stuff like that. Like, so appalled at this behavior. Yeah. And this is when Val is like, well, it might have been your kiss. And then Tracy's like, I'm going to leave. And then Kelly says, way to go, Val. You made her leave. <laughs> so good. It's so good. And then some more hockey stuff happens. It's more important for everybody else. I just, I don't know hockey. I don't totally care. Brandon scores a goal or a point or yeah he just like immediately gets out of the penalty box and scores and the hockey people are impressed good job brandon i loved him pouting in timeout though i loved him (laughs) pouting in timeout. he's just staring at the the clock like that might be a glennon doyle thing to say that mary just said like pouting in timeout like and i loved it because she totally would have that take She's like, oh, yes. why don't more people watch the hockey? Because the players have to sit in timeout when they do something bad. <laughs> she would somehow turn it amazing. Like, Glennon Doyle should watch all sports and have all commentary. Yep. Agreed. She was commenting on the dog show on Thanksgiving, and I loved oh, of it. Of course she was. I love when she comments on Abby watching soccer. Yeah. Because she's like, oh, my God, the hoodie has come off. The soccer has gotten more intense or something like that. Yeah, no, they were watching the dog show when the French Bulldog, I don't know if they won or they advanced, and Abby was up and watching the TV, and then the next day was the World Cup, so Abby was up and watching the TV, and she was like, I don't even know why we have a couch anymore. Yeah. (laughs) It's incredible. I love them so much. So (sighs) hockey ends. Yes. And Tom is like such a good dude throughout this whole thing. He's like, hey, bro, sorry I like jabbed you there. Hockey, am I right? And Brandon literally tripped him earlier. (laughs) It's very, like, I don't even remember the first time I saw this trope on television, but it's the very, like, you know, girls have to be catty about their fights, and then guys, like, can get in a fight, but then they just, like, punch each other and they're over it. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, like, Brandon Dillon with less brooding. Mm -hmm. Like, Tom's just, like, up front about it. Yeah, like, they're just over it. They got it out. They got their aggression out on the ice. And then Tom's like, look, if you have a problem with me and Kelly, I'll stop. And Brandon's like, no, I've realized my behavior. It's inappropriate. I'm fine. You do what you want. Yeah. Like, what? what is this maturity? It was weird. It was like, yeah, they just, like, you know, shoulder-checked each other and move on. Mm-hmm. And I do love Tracy coming in and the conversation that happens here because mm-hmm. – This is a very real thing for Brandon to say, and I think for his character. He basically says that he's tired of taking care of everyone and making sure that everyone's happy. And I feel that from him. The only person Mm -hmm. he's not really like that with is Val, because he takes on more of that older brother slash father figure that we don't like. Um, But I do see that he's kind of like the patriarch of the group, because he is the good guy and has good high moral standing and so he's always trying to make sure that people stay on the good side of things right and I feel that like if you're a people pleaser number one and you have a caretaker role it does get exhausting to try to like check the emotions and check the actions of others around you especially Mm -hmm. if you're putting them in front of your own which could have him 
struggling to communicate his feelings with Tracy. Like this whole time, they've been very up and down about their relationship. And it was only until he got away from the group and out to her family's ranch that he was able to identify what he was feeling. Yeah. So I really like that conversation. Yeah. I mean, it's great. And like, I, so do you think he said it right in her ear? I think so. Or he said something cute and maybe hockey related or something. And regardless, it made her happy, you know? Right? Like, she's asking something and he's like, oh, you want to hear? And then he whispers in her ear and it's adorable. So, like, I'm not saying we had to see him say I love you, but, like, I'm sitting here while she's making that stupid face where he's just like, I want to bang. Right. Like, yeah, I'm thinking it's something dirty or – some inside joke, but it could be I love you. I just don't know why they wouldn't let him say it out loud where we hear it. Yeah, I don't think he said it. Yeah. I, I feel like he said something that was, like, funny but got her feeling okay, but it could have been just, like, I want nachos. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like my sweater. <laughs> <laughs> Which I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> I did. We need to put that from whenever we do a social post about this episode, put that next to the Chris Evans in that cable <laughs> sweatshirt from Knives Out. Put them side by side. Be like, he wore it first. <laughs> Corporate wants you to find the difference between these two photos. Yep. They're the same photo. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, that's that's this episode. We had I, – I feel like the hockey, Val, Tom, Kelly – shenanigans felt real fun to me. I enjoyed that. I think the Stephen Claire stuff kind of pretty much solidifies where they already are in the relationship. Like, I'm not mad about it, but it didn't do anything for me. And then the Donna stuff just lost me. Yeah, it's clearly still all building. Um, You know, we didn't get anything too important necessarily in any other storylines outside of just shenanigans and Mm – hockey so you know I think we're all really focused right now on the Donna stuff and this was just a really twisty turny broken up pathway to get us to probably in the next one or two episodes to kind of figure out oh here's the actual stalker it's revealed as blah 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 Evan what who said that yeah and you know, maybe next episode I'll be like, I take it all back. I get it. I understand exactly yeah. what they were doing, but I don't think I will. Yeah, that's okay. But we'll see. Um, you know, I guess before we do that, though, do you have a quote of the week? Yes. I have one quote of the week. Okay. The only one that I want to put up for a possibility is when Val and Kelly are in the parking lot and Kelly asks Val, why do you do this? And Val says, for fun. (laughs) Love it. I feel like the only one I actually put in quotes, because I wrote down like a lot of little back and forths, but they're not in quotes, so I can't find them. (laughs) Um, Was just uh, Val to Tom being like, how could you go out with Kelly? You know I hate her. Yeah, that was very high on the list. Um, And if I was going that way, then I would have picked that one. 
but I just simply picked Claire saying to Steve, look, I picked turnips. (laughs) (laughs) Just so excited about her little root vegetables. And then Steve's face afterwards where he's just like, I don't like turnips. Yeah. She's like, it's okay. We'll have beets. And then he's like, what is this, beet hair? (laughs) She's like, Steve, that's a root. (laughs) Oh, them. So it turns out I did wrote like write one other quote down, and it's literally just during the hockey game, a disembodied voice shouts, keep your head in the game, Walsh. <laughs> and I want to know who said it. Oh my god. Please let it be, Don't doesn't like hat hair, hockey player, or it could have been Tom. I also really love, as always, these like former NHL players, so famous, agreed to do this realistically for money are just like hey Walsh I hear you're the one that we should be worried about yeah I've been playing hockey for 25 years but I should be worried about you there's also a brief mention that Brandon plays on like multiple hockey teams I'm just like I'm a little sad we don't like just see him come in with skates every now and then also this man is busy he has a full, I assume a full course loader. Maybe he's like coasting, you know, this semester. But he's got a job at the CU TV station. He is in apparently multiple hockey leagues. He is dating someone regularly. He got that fellowship. So, you know, he does like extracurricular, mm-hmm. like studying and whatnot. So he busy. He busy. Mary, what about you? Do you have a moment of the week? Um, yeah, kind of. It's mostly just Val having a tub of bad day ice cream in the Walsh kitchen. Love it. Gotta bring back ice cream to scoops. Obviously. It has to be there. All right. We've covered this episode. What is next week's episode? Next week, we have season seven, episode 18. We interrupt this program. I mean, something's going to happen at the news station. And just FYI, it is one of the higher rated episodes of the season. Okay. Interesting. She's a 7.0. And just for your reference, the episode we just covered was, and and the last couple were 6.3. Ooh. So like on a 90210 IMDb ranking scale, we're going for like a 9.2. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm excited. I mean, it's got to be something with the TV station. We interrupt this programming. To tell you that camera guy Evan did it. The end. Right? Oh my gosh. What if, like, Tracy figures it out while she's on camera? I want it. Could you imagine? (laughs) We'll find out. Yeah, we will. And until next week, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Back2Podcast. You can also shoot us over an email if you have any thoughts, any questions, any comments, or any concerns at all at backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe, share it with all your friends and family. All of that stuff really helps us get seen and build a community. And then that way we can give y'all a better product. And we'd really appreciate it. So if you give us that review, we'll give you a shout out on the show. Until next week, from all of us at Back to Podcast, I love you.
I need time. I gotta go make a list of three word sentences so I can decide what to say. Bye. Bye. See ya.